You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Here we are, God. We come before you on this day, and you are the almighty, the all-powerful, the all-knowing God of this universe. And you know everything that is going on in this world right now. You hold it all in your hand. You know everything that is happening in our communities and in our lives. And God, even right now, right now, right here, you care about what is going on in each one of our lives. And you care about this moment. And I pray that these moments here together as we look to your word would be a way that we would see your beauty and we would see your power and we would see your hope that you offer. So much in our world right now, it's filled with, with, with discouragement and our lives are about disruption and for many, a lot of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear for loved ones, fear wondering how this is all going to work out in our lives and in, in, in our communities, in our work, in our families, in our futures. And yet, God, none of this is a surprise to you. And so here we come to you this morning, and we come with needy hearts. We come with with hearts that need to hear from you. You are in the midst of this world, and you are in the midst of this moment. And so, God, on this Resurrection Sunday, would you reveal yourself, and would you fill each one of us with resurrection power and resurrection hope? And it's all possible and available because of Jesus Christ conquering sin and the grave. And so we worship you and we praise you as we look to your word. Would your word not only educate us and and give us information, but would it transform us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, good morning. It is good to be able to join together with you in worship this morning, and thank you for for joining us on this Easter Sunday. And I'd ask you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 20, and and worship band, I'm just so thankful for you leading us again in worship and for the faithful servants that are helping us in these days. And and so John chapter 20, we're going to be looking at that in a few moments, but one of the things I'd love to be able to do, and, and, and this may seem a little awkward, but you need to get ready, you need to get ready to cheer and, and be able to give a nice little um, celebration here this morning. And so I'm going to shout something out and you need to shout something in return. Yes, I mean it right now in your living room. If you're on your own, if you're out on the deck, wherever you are watching this service, joining us here this morning, I'm going to yell out, Christ is risen. You're going to yell out, what are you going to yell out? He is risen indeed. And so I'm going to ask you, and, and I still have some band members here that are going to also help in this. So, 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 so let's do it, okay? So, so Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, that was lame, band members, and at home, that was pretty lame. We want this one to be so loud that your neighbors, two houses down, are going to wonder what in the world is going on. We want the people in the parking lot to wonder what is going on on the other side of the parking lot in the apartments there. And we want people out in the streets who might be walking or doing whatever right now to wonder what are people yelling. And so this time, in your homes, come on, get ready to give a good, loud yell here. Christ has risen! He is risen indeed! 
There, that was better. That was better. Okay, now let's get into God's Word here this morning. And John chapter 20, we'll be looking at that in just a moment. And uh, I'm so glad that we are still able to meet together, uh, that we can make the most out of this difficult situation. And uh, just so thankful that technology and the many hands that work at this throughout the week and then on the weekends are able to make this possible. Some interesting things, and and I think as we go through this, there's seriousness, and there's questions, and there's confusion, but there's also a lot of humor, and I think at times, sometimes laughter is a great medicine, and so there's some neat things floating around on social media. I always like to, at times, update you on some of these things, and this was a a picture that was shared in our Hope uh, Ushers chat group, and because those guys are kind of not very busy these days, and I'm sure they can't wait to get back and start ushering and being part of that hospitality team, but this, this funny little picture, and, and let's take a look at it now, uh, made them laugh, and I think it might make you laugh. Live streaming church, and, and, and the more things change, the more they remain the same, that you still have your back, back seat or back row Baptist people who just love to sit in the back row. And, and then something else that, that also came along, and, and this is for pastors who are preaching to empty buildings and, and not preaching to live audiences. This is what one church did, and I just love some of those expressions on some of their faces. It looks like either someone's taken a really good yawn or else they're laughing at the pastor. But that kind of helps for us as pastors or for teachers and and for musicians who are uh, trying to lead in worship and preach the word to these empty rooms and towards the camera. So some of those are are pretty interesting. But then there's another one that was shared on social media an awful lot. And and, and this one is such a true and such an awesome statement. And when I saw it, I went, amen. And and it's this, as you see it now, churches or in our case, um, a theater where we usually meet, might be empty on Easter Sundays, but so is the grave. Amen? Isn't that great? Christ is risen! And I hope you're yelling again, He's risen indeed. And we have so much to celebrate. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been in this series leading up to Easter called Gloriously Generous and, and, and God, looking at God's glorious generosity towards us. And each Sunday has been marked by a particular symbol. And so you can go back on our website and you can go back and you can listen to these messages as we talked about the love of God, the peace of God, God with us in the storms and, and so on. And this Sunday, of course, is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and today we're going to be talking about resurrection hope. And boy, do we ever need some hope today, don't we? Doesn't our world need hope today? We are in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, and, and daily we can hear the numbers and the statistics and the news, and sometimes it is so overwhelming and hard to comprehend and also incredibly discouraging. And at times it can leave a person feeling frustrated, fearful, perhaps you're angry today or discouraged or, or ultimately feeling hopeless. When is this going to change? What is the future going to look like? But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, We have a living hope that is alive. We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Folks, we have hope today, and it's all because of Jesus. You can have a confident, living, daily, eternal hope, and it is possible, it is all made possible because of this day that we are celebrating where Jesus conquered the grave. God raised Jesus from the grave, validating his work on the cross. And when Jesus said, it is finished, God said, I am satisfied. And the penalty for sin had been paid. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 will be on your screen at the bottom, and it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That means we have a living hope, and it goes on, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This morning, we're going to look at the resurrection. We're going to take a look at the resurrection account from the book of John. And we're going to look at John's gospel. And together, we're going to examine the life of a dear woman who experienced resurrection hope. A dear woman whose life seemed hopeless, life seemed hard, and yet on Resurrection Sunday, she discovered the greatest discovery in this world. And it is my prayer that, that as we listen in today and as we take God's word, that we would all grab hold of this truth and ultimately grab hold of Jesus and find him to be our help and our ultimate hope in all things. So we're going to read starting in verse 1 of John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and, and by the way, the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, this is John, this is John who's writing this gospel, and, and I just love, and you can read this with a sense of humor, that's why I believe the Bible is the best book, because it allows you to have some imagination in what was taking place here, but I think this is, is rather hilarious in how he wrote this, because, so Peter went out from, went out with the other disciple, of course, that's John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, so just picture them, Peter and John are running together, but then John writes, but the other disciple, in other words, me, uh, outran Peter and reached the, term, the tomb first. And I, I like the way that John gets his little jab in there that he won the race. Now, to be fair, Peter was the oldest of disciples and John was the youngest. So, you know what, take it easy on the old guys because you know what, they had their day and, and, and we're going to see Peter shine in a few moments anyways. And it says, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went to the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had, uh, which had been on Jesus' head not lined with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And, she, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken my Lord away and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. 
Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Now Mary's last name, and just to get a little understanding of this text here uh, today, Mary's last name was not Magdalene. Now we might think that, but it, it was given that because of the town that she was from. She was from a small, insignificant town by the Sea of Galilee called Magdala. And so she was referred to as Mary from Magdala or Mary Magdalene. And, And that was done just simply to help distinguish her from all the other Marys. Because in the New Testament, in in the Gospels, we see that there are at least five other Marys. Now we can take and we're going to look at and I trust going to learn some important truths from the life of Mary Magdalene. That resurrection hope is available today. And the first thing that we're going to see here is that resurrection hope is available for the shameful and the sin-filled past. In Luke chapter 8, again finding out a little bit more about Mary, in Luke chapter 8 we read that she had seven demons, that she had been controlled. And you see, demons are fallen angels. They're rebellious angels, and they're real. They, They actually exist. They are deceitful spirits that can harass and oppress people but even indwell people. Mary was one of these people. She was dominated, oppressed, enslaved, possessed by seven demons. Every morning she would wake up, no doubt wondering which one or which ones would harass her and control her on that day. Every day for Mary would have seemed hopeless, yet she was unable to free herself. There's nothing she could do. She could not find healing. But Jesus has the power, and Jesus came to her, and and we don't know the full details of it, but Jesus, he has power over the demonic world. And in Luke chapter 5, or Luke 8 and Mark chapter 5, we read about Jesus casting out demons out of someone else. And and so this isn't the first time that Jesus has done this. In in Mark 5 and Luke 8, we see Jesus casting a legion of demons, it says. And, And a legion? is 6,000. Jesus casting out 6,000 demons out of a man. And when you read about what that man was like, he had superhuman strength and power. They tried to chain him up because he was just so out of control and he was able to break those chains and he was off living in the caves, causing I mean, people to be harassed and scared and terrified. And Jesus, in his power, took and he cast those 6,000 demons into a herd of pigs and they all ran over a cliff. I guess you could say that that was the first bay of pigs. (laughs) Bad joke. And immediately when Jesus did that, the demon-possessed man was restored. He was clothed and he was eating and talking to Jesus and to the disciples with a sound mind. No doubt Jesus, in a similar way, had that same effect on Mary. As she, as those demons left her, she was brought out of her bondage. She was brought out of her past. 
And Jesus restored and transformed her life. She came to experience what Paul would later write in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Trust that you write this down. Great verse here. Therefore, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That was Mary's new beginning. Everything changed in the moment that she met Jesus. And you know, we see that through the life of Mary, that, that as she was delivered by Jesus, gives us hope and understanding that today, no matter where you're from, no matter what has happened in your life, there are no hopeless cases. There are no life situations too difficult for Jesus to deliver and change. You know, let's face it, our world is dark. Our world is deceived. It is so messed up. There are so many traps. There are so many things that we can get hooked on and can take not only our time, but, but even our minds. And, and, and whether it is an area of sin that we can fall into and fall deeply into, addiction, whether that be fear, anxiety, panic attacks, hurt, abuse, there is forgiveness and there is freedom and there is hope and there is healing in Jesus. Whatever your past, whatever is in your present, there is forgiveness and freedom in Jesus Christ. And Mary was someone who did not allow her past to hinder her future. That God had for her, he had a specific plan and God has a plan for your life. And that's why we run to him. That's why we run to him as our resurrection hope. And God has a plan to redeem you from your past, to help you in your present, and to give you a glorious future. What was true of Mary can be true for you today. Here's something else about this resurrection hope. The second thing is that resurrection hope is also for the misunderstood. Through the century, Mary Magdalene has been terribly misunderstood and misrepresented throughout history. Some traditions and people believe that she was the sinful woman described in Luke chapter 7, that perhaps even that sinful woman oftentimes was referenced to a prostitute. Now, that is an assumption, and there's no biblical basis for that at all whatsoever. There have also been suggestions more recently through books like The Da Vinci Code or the rock opera called Jesus Christ Superstar that Mary Magdalene was actually married to Jesus and that Jesus actually didn't die. Instead, he married Mary and ran away with her into another country and the church has covered it up for all these years. Yes, Mary did love Jesus with all of her heart, but what they have said in these rumors about her definitely were not true. Now, let's face it, a lot of these rumors and fables and beliefs came along long after she died, and she couldn't care less because she died and she went to heaven, and she's experiencing the glories of heaven for eternity. But even during her time after being delivered, and as we see even in the ministry that she was a part of, no doubt there were a lot of whispers and rumors and gossip about her. Hey, isn't that the lady? Isn't that Mary? Isn't that that lady from Magdala who had the demons? Seven of them. Wow. Talk about a messed up woman she would have been. I, I, wonder, I, I wonder how she got so messed up in the first place. I wonder what she was messing up with and, and what she was dabbling into. People can be so cruel. And people can be so cruel then. People can be so cruel today. And I wonder today, have you ever been misunderstood? I'm sure we all have. Live long enough, it's going to happen. Have you had people talk badly about you, talk poorly about you, make fun of you, spread gossip, smear your reputation, bully you, 
say things about you that aren't true. Or, or maybe you have a certain person in your life who just knows how to grind your gears. Someone who just loves to make your life miserable, especially by always reminding you of your past. Maybe that reminding of your past is from your own mind. Yes, there can be the guilt and the stains and the shame from our past, either by decisions and choices we have made, and sometimes the guilt and the shame and the stains from our past can be a result of the hurt of others, things that others have done to you, either when you were a child, when you were a teenager, whatever age you were at. And we can walk around with a certain complex, thinking that we're useless, that, that, that there's no hope for us. But you know what? Our past does not have to define us. Because listen to this verse in Romans chapter 8, and this was the truth that Mary would have discovered when she walked with Jesus. In Romans 8 verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those words for Mary were for Mary, and those are words for us today as well. Those are important words. And, and then number three, we see another aspect of resurrection hope. Resurrection hope is for the devout yet discouraged. We know that Mary's encounter with Jesus changed her life and her eternity. And as a result, she devoted her life to following and serving Jesus. Now, Jewish rabbis in the day would often have a large following of disciples or followers. They would have kind of an inner group, just as Jesus had his 12. But then they would, there would be a larger group, a larger entourage that would follow a rabbi. Oftentimes around 30 to 50 people, and they would travel from place to place. They would travel and take care of the needs of the disciples and, and, and just be together there to be part of, part of a support team. Mary was one of those we read from the gospel. She saw that it was an honor and a privilege to serve her Lord, to serve Jesus. She understood the gravity of what Jesus had done. She knew what it was like to be bound up with those chains, those demons, the, the pain and the hurt from her past, and to have that all gone. And so she understood the gravity of what Jesus had done, and now she was so generous in her giving. She was so faithful. And you know what? The same ought to be true for followers of Christ today. We have been forgiven much, therefore we ought to love much. We love and we serve and we give. It should not at all be out of guilt. It's not to get check marks. Not at all. It's because we love and we serve and we give of ourselves sacrificially in all these different areas because we have been delivered from the bondage of sin. That sin no longer has a hold on us. That we have an eternity secure in heaven. And we want to serve out of gladness and out of gratefulness for what God has done through Christ. Scripture tells us that Mary's devotion led her to the cross. That night that Jesus was crucified, while many others ran, she was there and she witnessed what took place, even during the burial, because she knew where they had buried Jesus and she saw what, what Joseph and, and Nicodemus had done in taking Jesus and, and placing him in the tomb. When so many other people ran, ran away in fear, abandoned Jesus, denied him or even betrayed him, Mary remained faithful. Yet she's so devoted and yet she was 
hurting. She was confused. And you kind of think, how could God let this happen? Life was so good. Everything in Jesus' life and ministry and, and, and especially the week before coming into Jerusalem, everything was just going amazingly well. And then all of a sudden, her whole world caved in with a crushing blow as Jesus died on the cross. And I'm sure she was wondering, what's my future now? She was blindsided. She didn't see that coming just weeks earlier. I wonder, have you been blindsided by other people or by the events of life? A sickness, a diagnosis, a relationship breakup, an end of a marriage, a betrayal, a job loss, or for all of us, a pandemic. None of us could have ever imagined when 2020 started that so much would be shut down, that our lives would be affected in the way that they are that our economy would literally tank, that we would see millions unemployed in Canada and around the world. That some of you, when 2020 started, you didn't ever think that you would be out of a job in the middle of April. Kids, you, you would have never believed that you wouldn't have to go to school and that your mom would be your teacher. I mean, how crazy is that, right? Didn't see it coming. And like Mary at the cross on that Friday, discouraged and disillusioned, wondering, what's going to happen now? God, how can you allow this to happen? God, what are you doing? Yet for Mary, and yet for each one today, there can be hope. Mary's going to see that soon, but not quite yet, because it's Friday for her, but Sunday is a coming. The fourth thing that we see here is that resurrection Hope is also for the weak and the struggling faith. In other gospel accounts, we, we see that there were a number of other ladies that went to the tomb that Easter Sunday. And, and, but John, we're not sure exactly what is going on here in that either Mary arrived before the other ladies or John is just focusing in on Mary's resurrection encounter with Jesus and getting it from Mary's perspective. But nonetheless, we see this amazing resurrection appearance. Here we find Mary at the tomb early on Sunday morning when it was still dark. Now notice, even though she had a weak and a struggling faith, she pressed on. She didn't give up. She, she didn't quit. She, she kept going one step forward. How hard, how difficult she, it would have been to go there that morning. And arriving at the tomb, she finds out that the stone has been rolled away. But Mary is not thinking of a resurrection. She's thinking, this is robbery. And that was common in those days for not so much for a body to be stolen, but they would go in and they would steal some of the, the valuables. And even the grave cloths would oftentimes be quite valuable. And the spices that, that the person was, was wrapped in. And so grave robberies were common. And she's like, great, now it's happened to me. That's happened to us. And, and despite regardless of everything that Jesus had said, she wasn't expecting a resurrection. Neither her nor the disciples were seeing this. And so she runs to get Peter and John. So she takes off and she's running to Peter and John's to where the disciples are. And Peter and John get running. All three race back to the tomb. And of course, John gets there first. But he's not willing to go into the tomb. He, he's kind of, you know, it's a little freaky for him. And it can be. Death and graveyards and funeral homes can be that way. Years ago, 
um, I had a cousin who was going through seminary in Regina, and that's where my family lived as well, and that's where I originally was from. And, and uh, he, during his seminary years, to help pay the bills, he would work at a funeral home, and he would work the literal graveyard shifts. And so when he'd find out that we were in town, he would call us and didn't have texts or anything like that in those days, but he would find out we were in town and he would call and say, hey, you want to come visit me at the funeral home? And, and when you come, bring me a Slurpee. And so we would do that. We would go and Charlotte and I and some of my other siblings at times would go and we would hang, hang out with him at the funeral home. And, and, and I'm telling you, it was kind of eerie. And kind of a freaky place to hang out. And so, so John is like, I'm not, I'm not going in there. That's, that's just kind of weird and freaky. And I might become ceremonial and clean. But then Peter, I love Peter. I love Peter so much because as soon as Peter gets there, yeah, he may have been slow to the race, but he was first inside the tomb. And Peter goes, true to form, he just goes barging in there past John. And then John follows. Then John's like, oh, okay, it must be okay. And what do they find? They find the grave clothes just lying there. And, and there's the grave clothes just kind of as if just Jesus' body had just lifted out of it. They were still there in place. But then we see the face towel that would have covered Jesus' face was folded up and placed at one end. Now, folks, here's another miracle. And, and through careful study of God's word, discovered this this week. And, and I don't know if you've ever discovered this, but this is pretty amazing. But here is, a, is another miracle of the resurrection. It very rarely gets talked about, but here it is. It's a man folding something. That's right. Isn't that amazing? That, that, that Jesus, when he left the tomb, he folded the face cloth that covered his face. And, and here's another thing, another lesson, perhaps for men today, is that Jesus left a room in better condition than how he found it. He kind of tidied up after himself. And all the women said, amen. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure that's being said uh, wherever you are watching today or listening to this. But right away, for John, as soon as he saw that, he saw and he believed. Everything just clicked in. And all of a sudden, it was like, woohoo! And, and perhaps he and Peter tried to explain what was going on to, to Mary, but they ended up taking off. They went back home. But Mary is left there. She's confused and she didn't understand what was taking place. And so in verse 11, we see she's weeping. And this isn't just a kind of weep. This is a wailing. This is an uncontrollable sobbing that is taking place. And finally, she gets the courage to take a look inside the tomb herself. And what does she see? She sees two angels. Two angels sitting, one at where Jesus' head would have been and one where his feet would have been. And yet she's still not thinking resurrection. She's still thinking robbery. And she's like, where have they taken Jesus? Where have they taken my Lord? And then in verse 14, she turns around and there's Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Now, why didn't she recognize him? Was it because she was maybe crying so much and her tears were so covered in her, like just, you know, the salt and everything in her, from her tears just were affecting her vision? Was it because there were shadows in the tomb or was it because Jesus' body was different? And I would say yes to all three of those more than likely. You see, Jesus was raised with a glorious resurrection body. An unchanging, incorruptible, immortal, immortal, glorified body. And you will notice that in, in a number of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, that he had to identify himself to the disciples. They didn't recognize him right away, just as Mary didn't recognize him, because he was different. His body had the usual properties 
usual physical properties as far as they were still able to touch him, as we see later on that Thomas and touched his, the wounds in his hands and in his side. But now Jesus also had the ability just to pass through walls. In fact, the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out. The stone is rolled away to let the witnesses in because Jesus would have just been able to roll out of that tomb without the stone moving one inch because he has a new, resurrected, glorified, perfected body. And so this is so amazing that we see this. You know, on a side note, just, do you know what one of the only, you know what the only man-made things that will be in heaven one day for all eternity? Only one thing that will be man-made. And what is that? That's the nail prints in Jesus' hand and feet. And the scar in his side, the only man-made thing in heaven. And Jesus asks Mary, he says, why are you weeping? But she doesn't recognize Jesus, even his voice. She's still thinking robbery. But then Jesus says those words to her, Mary. And with that, it clicks in. Perhaps it was the way that he had always said her name. Maybe he said it in a certain way. Or maybe he just said it with a little bit of, oh, Mary. And he, she just recognized, that's my Lord. And it says that she says to him, Rabbani. Instantly she knew, which means teacher. You know, John chapter 10, verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. This is the word of Jesus. And, and, he, and it goes on to say, and I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. You see, Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And he not only enters into, but he also delivers us from our sin, from our doubts, from our confusion, conquering them all on the cross. And when we obey and we follow his voice, he will lead us safely home. He will take care of us. Will we obey his voice? Will you obey his voice and follow him today, whether for the first time or maybe it's been a long time? And then in verse 17 here, we see that Mary is clinging to Jesus, but Jesus tells her, go. This isn't a time for clutching or embracing. This is a time for heralding. This is the time to get the news out. I'm alive. Go and tell the disciples. Go and tell the others. And so in the midst of the celebration, there always must be a proclamation, and that's what we're doing today. We're proclaiming that Jesus is alive. Now, what a scene this would have been on Resurrection Sunday. Just think about it. Jesus Christ, Son of God, resurrected from the dead, conquering sin and death. And the first person he appears to is Mary, Mary Magdalene, a person who had a past, a person who had been misunderstood, misrepresented in her life, a person who was devoted and yet was discouraged, a person who had a weak faith, a weak and a struggling faith, and yet Mary found and received resurrection hope. Resurrection hope is available today for you as well. Like Mary, anyone, anyone, and that means you listening today, anyone can go from being dominated by the past being dominated by fear, by being dominated by darkness and evil and shame and hurt and bitterness, you can be set free 
by Jesus Christ today. You can go from darkness to light, from gloom to hope, all in the power and the presence of the resurrected King, King Jesus, who died for people like you and for me. But in order for that resurrection hope, like Mary, we must, first of all, we must recognize that we need a Savior. We must realize that we have fallen short of God's standard. We must realize we can't save ourselves. We can't clean up our lives good enough or make ourselves clean enough to be acceptable to God. There's no point even trying because we can't. You see, no one just drifts into resurrection hope. No one just drifts into heaven. No, we must take, we must recognize we need this, but we must also receive Jesus personally. We must receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and we do this by faith. No matter our past, no matter what has happened, you can embrace Jesus Christ today and receive this living hope by believing in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, believing that his sacrifice was the full and satisfying payment for our sins, that Jesus bled and died, taking the punishment that you and I deserve and exchanging our sin, our uncleanness, for his righteousness, his beauty, and his holiness becomes ours. And we do this by recognizing, by receiving, but also by repenting of our sins, which means to change the direction of our life. Instead of running away from God and running on our own agenda, it means we turn toward Him and we receive Him as our Lord and Savior. And you know what God's Word says? It says, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now, folks, that is resurrection hope. I'm going to ask you wherever you are today to take and just to bow and just to spend some time in reflection. We're going to continue on in worship in a few moments. But I'm going to ask you to just bow and, and to think about what I'm going to say next. If you have never received resurrection hope that is provided in Jesus Christ, you can do that today. You can do this as you're watching on the screen or listening online. If God has spoken to you today through this message, through his word, by his spirit, you know and you understand that you're a sinner and that you need a savior. By faith, simply calling out to God, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, save me. You can do that today. And yet it has to be personal. It has to be honest. It has to be from the heart. It's not just, well, I'll give it a try. No, we've got to accept it and we've got to receive what Christ has done for us by faith and we mean it with all of our heart. And today you can cry out to God, God save me through your son Jesus. And if you have cried out to him today, if you, this is the desire of your heart and you desire to do this, we would encourage you after the service or sometime today, do it soon, fill out the online connection card. There's a little dot in there that you can fill out that you'd like more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love to be able to help you and encourage you through email or through a phone call. Wherever you are, we would love to be able to reach out to you in that way. But maybe you're here today and um, you have received this living hope in your life. But today you're struggling. You're struggling in your life to find hope. Maybe it's the pandemic concerns. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's the isolation that's getting to you. Maybe it's depression or discouragement and you feel so overwhelmed today and you need resurrection hope. It is available for you today too. Call out to Jesus. 
But please remember, at times Jesus is willing to leave us in a dark place, in a difficult place, for a season, for a season in time. Not as necessarily, not as punishment, but as a necessary part of the journey to help us to grow, to build our faith and our experience in him in a personal way. Not as a punishment, but as his way to grow and to draw us closer to him. And if you are weak and you're struggling today, don't lose heart like Mary on Good Friday night. Keep trucking along. Keep trusting. If your faith is wavering, press on like Mary did. And if you'd like prayer, we would love you. You could fill out, again, the online connection card. We'd love to be able to connect with you. We can't talk with you, per se, after the service like we would in the lobby or at the front of the church building, but we can talk to you over the phone, through FaceTime, through email. We would love to reach out and help you in that way. One of the leaders or staff members or elders in the church would love to talk and pray with you. And so, Jesus, we come to you, the living hope. And I pray for each person today that we would take these truths and we would allow them to impact our lives, that we would examine our lives and, and to see, are we in bondage to sin, to know that you break, break, break us free from that through your powers. We call out to you as we surrender our lives to you. You give a hope and a future even when things seem the darkest. You did it on Resurrection Sunday. We pray you would do it on Resurrection Sunday 2020 because that is who you are. That is the great God. And so we turn our eyes, we turn our hearts to you. We do that in worship. And I pray that we would also do it personally, each one of us, as we examine our hearts and where we're at with you. You love us. You care for us so much. We thank you. We praise you. And now we worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's in your name we pray. Amen.